It's Wednesday, June 30th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the high takes you can handle. Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. Russ is out today. We got the Zook on the show with us. And what's up, what's how's up? it going, guys? Good. Going good, man. Waking up slowly, already on a second cup of coffee, which seems to be a trend these days. I'm like three cups in by 930 and just want another one, but don't have room in my stomach for more black liquid. I generally have two cups by like 8.30, so I'm, I'm moving. I don't even think it helps anymore. I should probably stop drinking coffee. Mm. Just had yeah. it. Maybe cycle off of it for a little while. Okay. This day in deck history. Tech history? Deck history. Deck, tech deck history. history? Oh, Not no. History. I don't tech know history. anything about skateboarding. Here we go. Dude, speaking of skateboarding, Tony Hawk, have you seen him recently? He still looks like he's like, you know, 28. With the no, skill sets, not, I don't. Yeah. I don't think I saw him. Not recently. He's like there's some he was joke. Just a video game character. I think there's some joke on the internet about like how old is Tony Hawk or like recognizing who he is or something like that. <laughs> Does he have clones? Is that it's, is there? It's an internet meme or something. It? I don't know. That's anyway, great. he just did a uh, he just did a half pipe with like this 360 reverse flip thing That's while holding awesome. a half full glass of milk. And oh, I saw that. Yeah, That's went impressive. off one side. Yeah. That's impressive, period, let alone at, at his age. At uh, like 63 or 74 or 81 or however old he is. It's crazy. Definitely not in his 80s, but <laughs> I get your point. All right, here we go. Here we go. Um, today is June 30th, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, yesterday and the day before in tech history, just because we don't do the show every day. But uh, also, it's always yesterday's today in tech oh, history. That's on, the man. segment. Come on. Yeah, the uh, I think Darren's going to get this one. The phone that changed everything. Nearly six months after it was introduced, Apple's highly anticipated oh. iPhone goes on sale, generally downplayed by old world technology pundits. After its introduction, the iPhone was greeted by long lines of buyers around the country on that first day, which was actually yesterday, June 29th. Quickly becoming an overnight phenomenon, one million iPhones were sold in only 74 days. Since those early wow. days, the ensuing iPhone models have continued to set sales records and have completely changed not only the smartphone and technology industries, but the world as well. What year was that? I'll let Tyler go first because it's too easy. Yeah. So for layup for Darren. 2007. I got. 2007. Yeah. Oh, yeah seven. Sorry. Yeah. I knew he, I knew you knew it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You actually said it in the chat the other day. We talked That's about what this, I was I thinking. Think, for Monday. some reason, I was remembering <laughs> yeah. 04. I was trying to place it and I feel like I, it, it, it's, if it had been 04, I would have been a lot more aware of it because that would have been like right in the middle of college for me. And I'm sure kids would have just started showing up with like crazy. And in 07, I think I was in Asia, probably like, no, was I right now? When was it? It was yesterday. So it was yesterday, yeah. June 29th. Mm-hmm. 07, right? Yep. Yeah. I think it was in Australia. Okay. I might have been. I don't know. That would have been close. Did, did when, when was Australia's release date? Oh, dude! I don't Come know, on, man. Kieran. Uh, no anyway. What's up? <laughs> I, say, I so I had I had the first iPhone uh, two weeks after launch. I think I got it. So I was not one of the folks who stood in line for it. But um, I still have it. Actually, uh, it's it's in a box. I I just couldn't part with it. <laughs> yeah. No. I I would do the same. I, I still have, an, have my first I have an uh, early iPod. iPhone somewhere. I took my first iPod apart. Uh, like a year ago, I think I told you about that, Aaron. I was trying to revive it because I get the like the red bug of death. 
yeah. um, when when some of its components just start to fail. And it's usually the hard drive and those old like click wheel, like I wish you could still get those and that they worked as used devices. Yeah. So that's the one I have. They're just filling landfills because they were pretty slick. And I wanted to get it working for my kids um, just as a, like a throwback plus that tactile response. It's just, it's cool. It's a cool device. So I went and, uh, and I, I looked up like how you can do it and they've got some pretty cool um, uh, like adapters and little SSDs that you can get that will fit inside of the shell and all that stuff. And I did a pretty okay job, you know, prying it open without destroying the insides. But in classic Apple fashion, it was, it ended up being basically impossible without lower level coding to get it to even try to recover. Like you, you could just not bring it back to life. There's no, there's no file out there that you can reflash a, a drive with it. It's like, no, this belongs in a landfill. Stop even trying. Go buy something new. So, just well, further hardened my distaste for manufacturers that don't let you repair. I, I think, I think the thing that's still startling to me is every now and then, like I'll be cleaning out stuff and I'll come across it and I'll hold it up against my, my. Uh, 12 pro max and be like, yeah. wow, this it's amazing how far we've come in 14 years. Yeah. I, I, my, uh, my very first one is actually in the drawer right behind me. I was going to say, I, I all have my relics in my office here. Oh, you're right. I, uh, I have all my relics sitting in a drawer. I've got the original Nexus sitting down here. I've got some other random stuff. I have some nice. switches that I bought that were uh, broken because I want to try to fix them Oh, here. I think this is the earliest iPhone I have. And this is cool because it sat in the drawer for so long, it's fuzzing out like crazy. Turn it the other way. Um, or put it in front of your face. There you go. You see that? Yeah. It oh, sat wow. in the drawer so That's long, the, the battery finally expanded and, and busted it open. Yeah, this is a four. four I actually, fours. I think this might be the first iPhone I ever had because I did not have a Gen 1. Uh, yeah. Think, no, I take it back. I had, I might have had the 3G. I remember that like goofy cupped curve. Mm -hmm. This is a much slicker phone. Let and me let me keep pushing us forward on the, the news. I know we're kind of going down memory lane here, but let me <laughs> let me push us forward on, in the news here. Uh, AirPods Pro two expected to launch next year, and at that point, they're expecting also the in white. Shipment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm highlighting the features. I'm sure. <laughs> also expected to push the uh, the shipments over a hundred million um, oh, by next year. That is impressive. So this is the the other crazy thing though about it is it's expected to include updated motion sensors with a fo focus on fitness tracking which seems interesting to me i don't like because yeah because everybody wants to do fitness with a phone right. yeah everything's got fitness tracking in it but it makes me wonder if it's like if you are oh, wait if you you're talking about the AirPods. watch yeah the airpods, yeah, the AirPods. This, okay i was I'm sorry i was back on phones my brain skipped a beat there just basically like yeah the airpods that's a little more interesting or something you know i don't know sure right, well you probably get heartbeat out of that what? But if you already well, have a watch, yeah, they already they already captured the watch or captured yeah. heart rate with watch. But what but else I, I, would yeah. this help with? Is I, it, it just like an extra data body point? temperature? Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I mean, yeah. hmm. I didn't even think Don't about know. that body temperature. Don't I'm sure know. they'll come okay. up with something creative that we hadn't thought of. Yeah, and it says comes uh, in white. That <laughs> it says too <laughs> that they're uh, reportedly exploring the possibility of using a design similar to the recently launched Beats Studio Buds which Russ was talking about the other day for the new AirPods Pro, which would eliminate the stem. This, I would uh, embrace that. I, I have, I have strange like ears. Bad my, wine glasses. 
I can only use like the in-ear style, you know, where they actually go in your ear canal and the mm-hmm. stems often get in the way and cause them to fall out. So yeah, I would, I would embrace a, a different form factor for sure. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, let's track it back here. First commercial communications satellite activates June 28th called the Intel stat Intel sat. Mm-hmm. Intel Sat One. There you go. Intel Sat One. The first commercial communications satellite is activated for service. It was nicknamed Early Bird after the famous proverb and became famous for carrying the first commercial telephone call between America and Europe, as well as cool. helping provide TV coverage for the Gemini Six splashdown. What year was it? Didn't you already say it? Nineteen forty-eight. No. no, I didn't. No, I no. thought you did. I'm, I'm going to go with late sixties. Mid sixties, nineteen sixty-five. Okay, I was thinking. For like some reason, seven, I thought you said it, but maybe you didn't. No, no. Cool. Good. Um, I'm counting okay. that one. I get it. You, you got it. Points. Yeah, you absolutely yeah. did. Ding, ding. Points. Points for Tyler. Ding ding ding. ding. <laughs> That's right. Tyler. Validate. Validate my guessing. Thousand points. All right, let's move to today. <laughs> what do we got? What do we got here? Oh man, what do we have here? Uh, well, springboarding off of the Apple stuff you were just talking about. Um we were just talking about uh facebook actually um won some big fdc law uh, or legal battles i guess they were dismissed in in the courts yeah. uh, it rocketed their stock price up a little over four oh, percent when the article was written four percent knocked them into the rocket. four comma call that it is for like the oh, valuation yeah, okay. that's the thing if they're, you go they're to in the four, four comma club now yeah yeah yeah, Quattro, and, Quattro and that's, it's, it's, yeah, that's the point. It's it's four percent on a near trilllion dollar number. So yeah, it's a big <laughs> yeah, you're <deal>. right. <laughs> well, I was gonna make a joke to cryptocurrency. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the memes where it's like stock traders and it's down two percent, and everyone's like on the floor of the NYSE like crying, <laughs> right. and then it's and then they're the the crypto traders negative ninety percent, and it's that Leonardo DiCaprio thing where he's like kind of going like this, like <laughs> <laughs> where he's all dressed up drinking the martini or whatever. Anyway, yeah, so that's, go uh, back. that's Facebook, wild. That's big. Yep. They scored Four a big clubs, antitrust so. win. It was, so what uh, happened two, there? I guess two two major FTC court cases were uh, dismissed. And uh, I didn't get into all the detail. Let's see. That was my question. What, what was at stake for them? It, it? it was yeah, Facebook was so stifling competition. So it was antitrust based. Yeah, it says, according to the court, they couldn't properly define what industry in which Facebook is actually a monopoly. Which is this is fair. This is if Russ were on the show, he would he'd harp on the same things against Apple. Probably Google fits into that, right? Uh, one could probably argue Google uh, in the the browser and search space may may still represent a monopoly, but also so, arguably not, right? They've got plenty of large competition. It's uh, Facebook. Facebook owns what? Unilaterally, yeah. right? Like it says, uh, it's not social platforms. Is it Facebook pages? Because that seems spurious. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's interesting. It says uh, the U.S. District Judge James Bossberg made two key critiques against the suit. Uh, the first one: What is a social network? The prosecution didn't make clear the bounds of features of the market they were describing. And number two: What is Facebook's share? Prosecutors said Facebook holds a sixty percent plus share in said market, but the explanation was vague. Yeah, that so. I like the quote here too. It says it's almost as if the agency expects the court to simply nod to the conventional wisdom that Facebook is a monopolist or <laughs> and that's so, like just so I said they're those, a monopoly. Don't you yeah. agree? Don't you also hate Zuck? 
It's kind of one I of those. The question, uh, it's hard to define, but when you when you look at it, you you can kind of. It feels like it is, but you know, it feels like a monopoly, right? It feels like it should be. I think the question will be what what precedent does it set? Because I mean, you know, a lot of I mean, we all look at Facebook and say, well, there's a lot of antitrust issues there. You know, they've they've tried mm-hmm. starting up, you know, things that their competitors were already doing, and then when they couldn't do it, you know, they went and bought Instagram. You know, um, so it, I, yeah, I think the interesting well, part and would I think be, that. That's where this started, right? It may, I don't. I can't remember if this one. I don't know that it says it explicitly either. But I know that some of these FTC cases were specifically about Instagram and some of the smaller companies that they bought, and they're mm-hmm. claiming they shelved or or just said, you know, we're failing to compete, so we buy you. Right. Yeah, because I mean, they've had. I mean, they, they've done this now with multiple competitors because they did it with WhatsApp too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing here. This is the other big blow uh, against the, um, the the suit, right? And for Facebook, a separate suit had painted Facebook's previous acquisitions of Instagram in 2012 and WhatsApp in 2014 as anti-competitive. However, again, Judge Bosberg said that the prosecution took way too long to bring these cases to court because it's now 2021. Attempting to unwind these deals now just seems to be unreasonable. Well, and and I I like that too because I mean you used you know the sort of statement um, setting a, a strong precedent. I, look, I'm I'm all for. Right, we talk about this all the time. Like I don't want a company like Facebook to be so anti-competitive that they end up doing bad things for customers, and that's why we have laws around this. It's why these things go to the court. It's why a, a governmental organization like the FTC is involved in stuff like this. It's fine. It's good. I think it's I think it's okay. But if if you can't or you're not involved in stopping it when it's happening, then you're looking at the landscape and you're saying no big deal or, or you can literally just prevent them from having the acquisition in the first place. If you allow the acquisition to happen and then it explodes, how can you turn around and say this is an antitrust problem? All they did was, was link new tech to a, a platform that gave it legs at that point. And maybe you get to a point where that's the problem, but buying it wasn't the problem. Owning it, operating it, and then dominating the market is a problem. If they try to do it again, if they bought Signal and just shut it down, then you have a real problem. But that's their first foray into like a major chat app kind of application space, right? Or uh, other than maybe something they try to design from the ground up. You can't just say, Facebook, you're big. You're not allowed to buy something it's in a different space, in my opinion. I think that that goes too far. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's also some side of this too that that you kind of have to look at it and say how much of this is just the fact that it's really hard right now with the current antitrust laws, the way they're written, to apply them to digital platforms like Facebook and that's true. you know others that are out there. So, I mean, it, again, I, I think the the part that's a little bit worrisome is the precedent that this sets. Hopefully, you know, we can have at least you know some. Uh, you know, kind of re-swizzling of some antitrust law that that ultimately can hold we need some that. of these digital platforms a little bit more accountable. But well, you know. but but also just setting the standard, right? It should not be difficult for the FTC to define the area, the space, the the umbrella of what they're even trying to basically investigate and hold the company accountable for. Like if you're seeing monopolistic behavior, you should be able to define why it's actually monopolistic with data to back it up, and it should be clean. From your perspective, no, obviously courts can disagree, people can disagree, but like just defining what a social network is probably a good place to start. It's yeah. a weird place to lose a court case, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes on here. Uh, the court's decision is obviously far from final. 
apparently there's a somewhat silver lining, I guess, still for big tech critics, which whatever. Um, the FTC can actually refile its complaint within 30 days with new market share data and perhaps a stronger case because, yeah, it feels like a monopoly isn't that strong of a case. Um, and let's see here. Then there's a, obviously, as you guys just discussed, there's a call to action for legislators. It's evident that Congress needs to step in and rewrite antitrust laws across the board, writes Matt Stoller. So, but yeah, I think uh, big news there is they just kind of, they dodged that and then jumped over a trillion dollars. That's wild. Yeah, that's nuts. Their, their share price, by the way, is over 350 now. There was, okay. I never even like, I mean, I guess if I follow a stock, then I like can remember how this, the share price moves, but the share price doesn't actually mean much in my brain I, unless I know where it's coming stock, from. So yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying, yeah. No, no, anyway. no, it's all good. Gosh, three years. So in a three-year time period, Facebook was as low as 150. So it's doubled in the last three years from its low to its high. Wow. Oh, more than doubled. And then, uh, gosh, even, let's see, what's what's this year look like? Yep, this year started roughly 250. So they're up 100, 100 per share. Here's uh insane. Here's the tweet I saw uh, two days ago, I guess, that kind of aligned with this. And I didn't know that they had crossed a trillion until uh, I'd seen this. But if you ever feel like you're behind, keep in mind that Mark Zuckerberg didn't start Facebook until he was 19. And it took him until he was 37 <laughs> for it to be worth a trillion dollars. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh it's uh, i think another good target for a similar meme is the uh the guy whose name i'm forgetting now but who like he got he got a phd uh became a like a medical doctor surgeon something like that and then an astronaut and and he's in like his mid-30s or something at this point it's yeah like, well, who are you <laughs> yeah he was an astronaut he was a doctor and yep. a navy seal there you go. It was the seal. I was, Johnny I was Kim. Was, yes. There you go. That's that. What talk about a pedigree, man? Yeah. That's crazy. Rank Lieutenant in the SEAL C. teams. He's 37 as well. Yeah. <laughs> Born the same year as us. What in the world? Okay. Let's get on to some more news. What are y'all thinking about? What y'all see? Ooh, uh, there was a, um, a successful flying car test flight. Um, what? in in the uk so this is on bbc and um a, it was it's a two-seater uh hybrid car aircraft as it's called air car is the name of it it's got a bmw engine and uh it's got narrow wings that actually fold down along the side and it kind of looks like a uh like an old school f1 car um but then very futuristic with a giant fan blade on the back and uh, and they successfully completed a test flight between two airports. You know what's interesting cool about stuff. that? BMW was actually originally a manufacturer of aircraft engines. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why their logo is blue and white. And the the blue and white is to represent the uh, the, the fan blade. Yeah, the um, propellers in the front of a, mm-hmm. of an airplane. That's cool. That's it's actually really a cool. really cool looking car too. It is cool. It's a, yeah. that's better looking than I would have expected for. I mean. I don't know what else you call it, a first gen flying car. Um, it was cool because this article I was reading through it. And, and I guess just as soon as you see, they, they've got a oh, picture it's not of like mid flight. Tall. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, it's just a, it's traditional. It's like a flying tradi- car. Just a traditional like a flying car. car. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, yeah. This is it is a car that has retractable wings that it can take off, and it requires a runway. So this isn't, you know, I think eVTOLs probably have a far more or a highway broad. Tyler, maybe once yeah. we hit eighty-eight miles an hour. <laughs> I, I like I like this I like this quote. Uh, Dr. Stephen Wright, senior research uh, fellow in avionics and aircraft at the University of uh, the West of England, described the air car as the love child of a Bugatti Veyron and a Cessna 172. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's about what it looks like. That's great. Um, it has a fairly low capacity. I, I don't know that that's terribly um, unexpected. Uh, where did that go? It went as a 200, 200 kilogram um, weight capacity. So what is that like? Four, which they, which they two, thankfully four, translate into thirty-one stones. stone. I thought pounds. the exact same thing. <laughs> like, wait, why? <laughs> why? Why does do? And maybe listeners can tell me. Do people think in stone? Like, is that? I'm I'm more comfortable with kilograms than stone. <laughs> yeah. Um. So as somebody, I mean, I'm not trying to throw shade at it right away. This is super cool. Uh, but as somebody who had a, a convertible, if anyone has had a convertible that has a drop top that's you know mechanized, the amount of times I've seen those go wrong on different cars and have trouble with them, seeing all that function to where the wings fold back and the top goes down and all this kind of stuff comes back together, I don't know. It yeah, just seems they're, like they're going to have quality issues, almost certain. Yeah. But still, they get to check the box. Flying car, done. This is the future. That is awesome. Where is my made robot? There's a huge market for it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Is that Jetsons, cool. right? So speaking of uh, things that fly, I don't, uh, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, SpaceX had to scrub their their Transporter 2 launch um, see that. At, at like T-minus 11 seconds uh, prior to launch due to what a happened? range issue. And, and Musk actually tweeted something out that I found very interesting. And Tyler, maybe you have some, some light to shed on this. He said the launch was called off today as an aircraft entered the keep out zone, which is unre- unreasonably entered the what? gigantic. Sorry, you cut out the on keep out end. zone. The keep out zone. Oh, which is what? Um, so basically they have, you know, they no, no, have- no, no, sorry. I, I it was just asking, what did you say? You said, I because you broke up like crazy on that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't really hear your statement. Yeah, so he, he said the launch was called off as an aircraft entered the keep-out zone, which is unreasonably gigantic. Jeez. Oh, oh. so, well, then that's Musk throwing shade at the FAA and, and what they think is a safe zone for the rocket launch. So that was probably him just being pissed. But, uh, I mean, the keep-out zone, I think, is pretty straightforward. They probably have a cone off of the launch pad that goes apparently ridiculously wide and maybe it's not a cone too which i would argue it should be but maybe maybe it's literally like just a massive cylinder that goes up into space you know theoretically and so if anything enters it then then it can shut them down like i would be pissed too that that's a crap reason to have to scrap a, a launch and there's a lot of cost in yeah, uh, in yeah. stopping something that close to, to i'm surprised off. he stopped because yeah. last time he was supposed, he should have stopped. There was an event, something like this that has already happened to him and he didn't stop. And I think he got in a little bit of trouble with, uh, yeah. Was that the one where he, he wasn't FAA technically licensed with the FAA for yeah. whatever he did? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he went so, on to say, he went on to say that there is simply no way that humanity can become a space faring civilization without major regulatory reform. The current regulatory yeah. system is broken. See, that makes sense. It, just yeah. just that first quote, it's pretty obvious that he's like, this This was not a problem. This is a regulation problem 
and and we completely disagree technically that this is even an issue. Yeah, there's I'd a lot be curious running. now to see how wide that net is. You know, what what is that air bubble? Yeah, I, I did some googling around yesterday. I didn't actually see anything that that was you know specified what it was. But I mean, there's there's a lot kind of riding on this mission for them too. This this has 88 satellites on this particular wow. payload. Um, so obviously they've got a lot of companies you know that that they had contracted with that um, were expecting to see this go up yesterday, and they're going to make another attempt at it today. Yeah, I wonder what the uh, penalties, if any. Uh, for SpaceX are contractually when failure to launch is completely out of their control, right? Like something different if they have it feels to say, like there shouldn't be at all. Well, there if shouldn't be, but that doesn't mean the there aren't, then, right? Yeah. Like yeah. people, people have costs tied up in that. They think, think about, think about the downstream impact of, of something like that to companies that have made commitments to whoever's going to use then as an end user, use whatever satellite that's going up into the, into the, the atmosphere or above. Right. Um, somebody's going to get burned by not having that up on schedule. And so I, I would think anyone who's doing contract negotiation is going to at least attempt to hold someone else accountable in the event of a failure. And they, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn around and try to sue the government on stuff like that too. Like they'll, they'll put together their, their argument for why it's an unreasonable regulation and say that they, you know, caused undue burden. And blah, blah, blah. I think there's a, there's a very likely chance that we're going to see more of that too, you know, especially since there's, there's other commercial companies yeah. now that are getting more into this market. And so, you know, whether it's Virgin or, um, uh, what's the name of, uh, the, the Bezos company, Blue Origin, oh, I think it is. Blue Origin. Yeah. Blue Origin. Yeah. I mean, they're they're all going to be doing stuff like this over time, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that becomes a reality well, before too long. I, I think it's going to have to. Actually, Kieran uh, shared an article uh, earlier in the chat, um, and uh, it says Pocket Rocket, an Aussie space company, um, goes goes to try to beat, uh, you know, Musk and Bezos as well. Um, but uh, what there was a quote in there. So there's a quote kind of halfway through the article, and it just says, there are more than 200 companies that are venture-backed working on some kind of satellite program around the world. And there are literally 20 to 50 more startups every year. So like satellites, they, there is a lot of payload that is being generated for rocket companies. So it's neat to see the competition, but we're going to have a lot more of this stuff, right? And more space debris. Oh, 100%. Gosh, did you have you guys seen the um, pictures of like the micro debris that hit the space yes. station and the damage yeah. that it did? Like that, I, I even wrapping my head around the momentums involved with stuff moving that quickly through space, it's still mind blowing to see the amount of damage that it does. Um, so yeah, that that's, that's going to be ugly. <laughs> we, yeah. We're going to have to come up with some clever solutions to this problem. Especially because, and I know we talked about this before, especially with the uh, the Chinese satellite that crashed, right? It was, or was, no, it wasn't a satellite. It was, um, it was, I think, a stages. rocket booster. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was, it was one, one of the stages the... from a rocket. But yeah. um, they're like, it's, eh, it's this idea that did a that calculation and seventy percent of the ocean is, or the world <laughs> is the ocean, so we'll just let it fall. Good enough. Stats seem good. Eh. We'll apologize. Or yeah, exactly. Well, so so what I was going to highlight is yeah. Um, the the firms that are engineering this stuff, or the countries that are backing them, whatever decisions are being made, right? Um, not there. There isn't a baseline like expect. Maybe there's an expectation, but there's no law. There's no governing body that that everyone has to respect. Welcome to multi-governmental stuff. But 
um, to make sure that debris aren't a problem, right? I mean, something as simple as make sure that when this decays, it decays in such a way that it gets into the atmosphere and that m- most of it evaporates, right? There's no yeah. guarantee that the 88 satellites on on that uh, that rocket right there from SpaceX are designed to meet that standard. I say that it is entirely possible that those particular satellites are. The U.S. probably does have some regulation around that. But as the world gets more uh, into this, I, I would expect we're going to see people well, making mistakes, and those mistakes are just going to lead to more trash or longer decays. I, I don't know what all of the factors are that go into it, but yeah, okay. it's already a problem. It's only going to get worse. All right. You all want to talk about uh, Microsoft and OpenAI? They announce uh, GitHub Copilot. Go on. Okay. Well, it's an AI-based tool to recommend code to software developers in almost any programming language. It's uh, it seems cool. pretty wild. It's basically like GitHub wants to be your AI pair programmer. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I like I like thinking about it that suggestions way. Suggestions and yeah, yeah, checking for errors, all that kind of fun I, stuff. I would think like that's one of those spaces, especially because of like the you know, the, the full time engineer burden of uh, developers around around the world. Right? It's a significant cost. It's also absolutely necessary. It's why demand is so high. And why, uh, you know, like there's just a dearth of talent, right? Like we need more good developers in the world in general. Um, and so I would expect to see a lot more AI efforts targeting trying to just generate that code automatically. And I know companies like yeah. Microsoft have been doing it forever. I mean, I, I think I remember an article from like 10 years ago that talked about Windows, whatever version they were just releasing and how millions of lines of code were not done by humans, right? Like a lot of it just, quote, wrote itself. And then I'm sure there's a tremendous QA effort. But I would think AI is is going to be really valuable for getting into those sorts of efforts. And if they can create like the babble fish of... Uh, programming languages through AI, that's brilliant too, because it doesn't matter what you know, it's effectively going to translate into whatever this new standard is or whatever yeah. the standard for the project is, which just levels the the capability field, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a bunch of different uh, interesting responses here. And you can tell it's kind of like, um, you, you can tell that there's no shortage of opinions on how you should do things when you do code, right? And so one of the things they're advertising... <laughs> What? It's tabs versus spaces is all I can think yes. about. <laughs> yeah, from, exactly. <laughs> from uh, from uh, what was Silicon that? Valley. Uh, the, Silicon the Silicon Valley. Valley. Yeah, like there, yeah. there's this whole like just yeah philosophical. It was tabs versus spaces, the most arbitrary of things, but they were all getting mad about it, and I'm yeah. sure that's based on something real. But uh, you know when they're talking about how um, basically taking natural language and turning it into code and helping you and all that kind of stuff, you see all kinds that's of awesome. uh, things here like. Uh, there's a comment here from Nick J. Scherer uh, on Twitter. I'm not saying AI is going to doom us all, but the flagship quote-unquote example uh, on copilot.github uses a float to store a monetary value, which is just plain wrong and would cause you uh, no end of bugs and pain. And here's another one from at NBA Shaw. A, this is amazing. B, this is going to cause a lot of bugs. It reminds me of the Boeing 737 MAX and Tesla Autopilot. There's a zone between quote good enough to use and perfect where AI actually harms performance. So well, that's there's a whole bunch well, of well, and that that actually makes that. sense. That that's kind of what I was what I was getting at, right? You have something that's writing the code for you, but the effort to go back and clean it up is probably arguably well. There's definitely a tipping point where it's worse to clean up bad code than it is just have a human write it in the first place. 
Um, but those are the kinds of things I think that that AI is going to get better at, right? Like that's sort of the tenet is that yeah. it will continue to get better. And as it gets feedback and as QA you know, goes back into it, it will learn to do better and so, not yeah. do so something as... Is- over time, AI will clean up its own technical debt. Probably. In yeah. fact, they will. They'll be creating GANs, you know, explicitly for good code, bad code, instead of hot dog, not hot dog. So, I'm just all Silicon Valley today. You are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a, yeah, you have a strong example of uh, software eating software development. So yeah, that's cool. It's going to be interesting. It is cool. Uh, man, I didn't read this one. There's an article about uh, quantum microchips, a modular processor from a company called Rigetti, uh, but I haven't gotten into it yet. I just I'm excited. Oh, it's a short article. Let's see if yeah. I can pull something out of and it. It's hard to it's hard to not mention too. I, I was just searching through all the little comments here, but it didn't it didn't take but the tenth one down. Um, here's one. This is one I was looking for. I've done this with with vanilla GPT three. It's messy AF, but it'll do it. I bet this works well. Of course, this is only a couple steps away from getting AI to build AI, which is the moment we all become slaves to the robots and wait for the singularity. There it is. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our mobile boards. <laughs> all right, cool. What else we got here? Uh, I, I'm going to have to drop. I got a hard stop at nine, but oh, we have another minute. Okay. Uh, I feel like there's an update here, something that we should toss out. I found this. Should we talk about LinkedIn? Yeah, we can. Uh, this is yeah. real fast. I don't even think okay, we're going to have much of an it. opinion. It was just something I was happy to see. It's good news. Um, the, uh, the the conversation we had about public broadband a couple of days back, uh, Ohio Republicans are basically, they, they got shuttered by public response and they backed off and they are not trying to completely cripple public broadband or at least publicly right now. They're not trying to do it. I find it hard to believe that that is ever going to stop because it's a significant lobby. But I thought that was, uh, that was, that was great. It's good to hear because uh, I'm not even in Ohio and it made me angry that that was even on the table. And every time I hear about attempts to stop public broadband, I, I'd get bristly. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's some big broken stuff in that, that whole realm, right? Yeah. So getting our nation connected and, and connected at, at uh, reasonable speeds for a reasonable price is of the utmost importance. Right? Well, and I think there's also, digital, so there's, there's also not enough and learning and all that. Yeah, there's also not enough choice when it comes to broadband in general, and, and I think that's true that's, in any market. That's the biggest it's, problem. This is—it's one of the biggest antitrust issues in this country, in my opinion. And we've ignored it completely. Completely, which yeah. blows my mind because we're all excited about the apples and Facebooks, and and I mean, there's good reason for that. I'm not—I'm right. not saying it's not appropriate, but man, you really want to go grind an axe somewhere? Stop large corporations. ISPs from not competing in local areas and pretending like that's good for consumers, right? Yeah. Everybody on the internet can go and choose something other than Facebook or WhatsApp to do what they want to do. Now, are they going to get the same level of service? Perhaps not. But I, I've lived in neighborhoods and I've lived in apartment complexes where I literally had no choice. I had one internet provider. Yep. Hot stop. It's like, hey, AT&T, can I get service here? Nope, we don't service that corner of the block. I mean, where I used to live in Pennsylvania, um, we had private companies that were attempting to build out like, you know, public fiber networks. And you'd have, um, you know, companies like Comcast coming in and single handedly killing off those projects just because of the fact that, yeah, they they had competition would be devastating to my bottom line. Yeah. But it's not a monopoly. 
<laughs> no, no, can't be. <laughs> worth worth lobbying millions to stop any competition from happening, but I'm definitely not being monopolistic. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead and shut it down, dude. I don't want to launch into this other thing. Uh, we got a hard stop here in two minutes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I thought that was going to go faster. Should have not. No, it's expected fine, dude. That I don't care. I'm passionate about that topic. Everybody yeah. should be. Dang it. Go, go fight anybody Me trying too. to stop ISP competition. It's good for you. It's good for the country. It's good for the world. Yeah. Get your connectivity on. Yeah. And on that note, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Darren, thanks a ton for joining us, man. Uh, we needed the energy this morning. We're, we're running on, on lower tanks today. I can feel it. But it's been a pleasure. We hope everyone enjoyed it. We sure did. And we will talk to you on Friday. Peace. Booyah, Grandma.